You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hey, Northland family and friends, welcome to Extra Takes podcast. I'm with my co-host, Matt Shiles. Matt, hey, it's good to be with you. Yeah, it's good to be here. Well, and once again, you do just an incredible job preparing for this podcast. And so I'm going to turn it over to you and let's get this party started. I think that was a song, wasn't I know it? it? Let's get to, I don't, man, some, some, me and songs, movies, you know, uh, it's so funny. Joni was, she, uh, at lunch yesterday, we were celebrating my mom's birthday, so we were at lunch, and so my entire family is making fun of me for a couple of things, and I won't tell you what they're making fun of me about, <laughs> but uh, through the conversation, Joni was like, oh, so that's why you were watching Back to the Future 2 in bed last night. I just, you know, again, I had to familiarize myself once again with all of the various technologies that we find in that movie. Well, that's good because I would not have remembered all of those without rewatching it. So yeah. Well, that makes it, me it's feel pretty better. funny, like just to see what other, you know, kind of other things too that could have made that list in which, you know, some, some people would maybe would want to know, well, where'd you even get that list? Well, there's a lot of articles that have been written yeah. on what, what predictions came true. So basically I didn't try to reinvent the wheel. I just went to a couple of different sites and found a list. So I used so. that list. Good old Google. Yes, yes. (laughs) Well, let's get going. So this is the last uh, week in our Made for Mission series, The New City. Yeah. And we can call this the future of God's mission. Mm. It's October 15th and 16th, and we were in Revelation 21, 1 through 5. As a reminder, the main point is God's mission in the future should affect how we live in the present. Yeah. And, and and what what's you know really what I was um thinking about when I did that as the main point again going all the way back to the very beginning Genesis 1 that God's mission was to create a people for himself to reflect his glory in all spheres of life. And then we saw how it took a couple of different iterations. So in Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve sinned, Mm -hmm. God's mission is to redeem a people Mm -hmm. to reflect his glory in all spheres of life. And then Genesis 12 with the table of nations in Genesis 10. So now you have every tribe, every tongue, every people group. Now God's mission is to redeem a people from all peoples to reflect his glory in all spheres of life. And what we see really at the cul- you know culminating at the very end, but the beginning, like it's the end of time, but mm. the beginning of eternity. Mm. What we see the future of God's mission is that. So now mm. we we have this people that He has redeemed mm. from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people group. Now they are in this new city, holy city, new Jerusalem. And what are they doing? They are they are dwelling with God. God's dwelling with them, and they are glorifying Him. They are reflecting. His glory, and when I say in all spheres of life, because it's a city, and so if you think about, uh, you know, there 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 are people out there that talk about seven different spheres of society or even culture, and you can go look at, you know, kind of family, media, education, religion, economics, government, and maybe even 
recreation could could be another. But but you think about what happens in a city. So so the entirety of life now will be lived before the throne of God. And so that's where you, you know that's where I really am trying to get this picture of that's the future of God's mission. So the future of God's mission is His people dwelling in the new city, holy city, new Jerusalem with Him, mm. glorifying Him in all spheres of life. So that's the future mm. of God's mission in a redeemed new creation. And so how should that affect us now? We yeah. should be living out this this mission yeah. in the present. Yeah, it's such an amazing picture. And I want us to begin with Rhythms of Grace. Yeah. Wasn't that <laughs> powerful worship? Um, yeah. y- you said they are singing like they actually believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it is so, like, I have so much joy. And and not only when Rhythms of Grace leads for us, but I don't know, well, I know that I've been over there a couple of times on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. and they're doing on, on the weekend at North and what they're doing every Wednesday mm-hmm. over there. And it really is. It it is such a joy to see um, my, you know, I call them my special friends, and they they really do. They bring so much joy to my heart, and which is why I had to join them at 11 a.m. I had asked them. I said, "You think I can join you all on, on you know, uh, on stage?" They're like, "Yeah, Pastor Josh." And so, but I had to come in. I had to come in the back so that I didn't disrupt everything. But yeah. it was such a joy to be a part of them. And man, that last song, whoo! Yeah. It really did. Every single gathering yeah. brought tears to my eyes. Yeah, so so how does Rhythms of Grace leading us in worship connect to Revelation 21 and this Made for Mission series? Yeah, I, I mean, I think in a, you know, in a, in a couple of different uh, ways. Um, you know, when you think about, um, you, you know, adults with disabilities, in, in, in the Holy City, there will be no disabilities. Mm. Uh, there, there will be no aging. Uh, mm-hmm. There, there will be no sickness or disease, and so there will be um, there will be newness mm-hmm. in, in ways that we can't even fathom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the heart behind their worship now yeah. will be prominent yeah. there in the holy city, and so that that's something that so 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 in some sense the passion behind yeah. you, you know or within their heart, but to know that in in the holy city there 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 will there will, there will be no effects of sin for all eternity, and that's something that um, you know I would say in them just leading in worship, and then a connection to Revelation twenty one of newness, um, mm-hmm. like yeah, that that's something that I mean I, I thought about like yes, in 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 the new creation, yeah, there there will be no no sin and, and no effects of sin. Mm-hmm. It will be fully lifted. The curse will be fully lifted. Yeah, I think we get a glimpse of that future hope. But the, the the greatness of that is we get to participate in that now. Yeah, which is why. But in, in you think about, it, which is why I love our community arts connection and rhythms of grace. Here is a organization birthed out of Northland that we want to show dignity and value to every human being because every human being has has equal worth regardless of their skin color, Mm. regardless of their disability, regardless of their socioeconomic status. And so, and and that's what, because in the new city, again, there there, there will be, uh, you know, no divisions. There there, there will be no, you know, know, prescribed value to this person versus that person. We were like, and so in that moment, 
uh, of what we see there, we need to be doing that here. So that's what, yeah, that's what I love about Rhythms of Grace and CAC. Yeah, amen. So we were in Revelation, and and I was thinking about Revelation. I think our American Christian culture has a complicated relationship with Revelation. Yeah. As I was thinking through it, um, I think some really love it and love to re- read and study it. Yeah. Um, I think others avoid it like the plague. <laughs> I think I think some are confused by it, and some are fearful of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what I think it's often overlooked is that Revelation is a book about hope. Yeah. And that's what we saw this weekend. So why should we be interested in the contents of this final book? Yeah, well, the, I mean, it is. It, it, it is a, a difficult book uh, in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. But I would say the, the bookends of Revelation are fairly easy. You know, so verse, you know, uh, chapters one through three, particularly with the letters mm-hmm. to the seven churches, and then the last two chapters— they're actually, you know, pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, now the 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 middle part is kind of like oh, a little dicey. What does that mean? What's the two witnesses? Yeah. You know who? Yeah. You know who's the beast? I yeah. mean, and it's and, and and it's fun maybe to read. You know the the variety of interpretations out there. But really, when John wrote the book of Revelation, it was it really was this living hope. Mm. The church was going through a very difficult time. They were living in an era of, of persecution. So you had the emperor that were you know that was arresting Christians, uh, feeding them to beasts in in these stadiums throughout the Roman Empire. I mean, so I mean, yes, it's it's a very difficult time to be the church. Yet in the midst of that, uh, we have one of Jesus's disciples, the last disciple, really, uh, John, who is writing this book to give a glimpse of what's coming to sustain that. Hope, hmm. yeah. So, so in that regard, it's very easy. Jesus wins. Yeah, he's coming back. Yeah. Uh, there, there is new creation that lies ahead. Yeah, we can endure. So we can endure. Just breathe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, endure. Yeah. Because glory's coming. Yeah. 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 So if the apocalyptic part uh, scares you and freaks freaks you out, right? Uh, one through three and twenty one and twenty two is where you can at least uh, get that hope and that glimpse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's fun to have those conversations. Are you pre mill, post mill? Well, I mean, <laughs> well, it is for for me in some environments. Yeah. But if you get somebody who makes that, because here's what I would say about pre mill, ah mill, post mill. That's a tertiary kind of issue in terms of a tertiary theology. Like that shouldn't break fellowship, but some people elevate it to like almost like a, a, a primary thing where yeah. they make it a fellowship issue. And I'm like, no, no, in 2000 years, I mean, godly men and women can't even agree on those things. So yeah. why why are we like sitting here, you know, splitting hairs and then splitting up yeah. because we can't agree on that. So so it's fun to have those. Like, I, I, you know, I remember when my granddad was living, we would have these conversations and he'd get a little flustered. <laughs> but then, but then I would have these conversations with other people, and it's fun to ask questions and actually learn too from from other people's perspective. So, have you heard of pan mill? 
I have not known. It will all pan out in the end. Oh, there you go. I, I like that. Pan mill. There you go, Matt. Yeah, so I like that one. Maybe that's what I am. Yeah. I'm a pan mill. Like, it will all pan out. I, I was, like it. I was talking Love to it. Pastor Gus, and he told me that, and he wouldn't tell me what it meant. And I had to look it up, and then I came back to him. I got, okay, I see what you did there. Uh, um, that's awesome. So, so the three um, main things that we will see in the future that should affect us now in the present, this was the uh, the main outline for the sermon is uh, is what we see, who we hear, and how will we get there? Yeah. Um, so, what of those threes should we talk about more? Which of those do you want to dig into? Um. Well, yeah, I, I really was kind of blown away by uh, this. Was actually the first time you even know something that I, I really did kind of discover maybe for the first time, or it really became very prominent is how you don't see the new heaven and earth again after the first verse, yeah. but then the new city then dominates. And uh, some of the scholars that, that I, I do rely on for not only mission, but revelation, uh, like G.K. Bill, um, mm. I listened to uh, actually a couple of different uh, sermons uh, that he did, and it, it was very fascinating to hear that you know his take was the the reason why you don't see the new heavens and new earth again. It really is the collision of of heaven and earth together in the form of a city. Now, hmm. uh, now I've always heard too Tim Keller talk about how what we have movement wise from beginning Genesis all the way to the end is the movement from a garden to a city. And and I always love that movement mm-hmm. uh, because what 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 it really helped me understand now having when I say lived actually in urban centers and even visiting urban centers is that this this movement to to a place where life happens. Mm-hmm. Like and that's yeah. where when it, you know that's why for me it's very intentional when I say all spheres of life. If you want to see all spheres of life, yeah. you actually will see all spheres of life in a city. It, it might be hard to envision all spheres of life, you know, in a garden, uh, you, you know, but the, right. through the cultivation, through filling the earth, through subduing it and exercising dominion, there. This is what we see at the very end is is the culmination of where God was moving us at the at the very end and the beginning of eternity. And what stood out to me was those two sides of glory. Yeah. Uh, for that purpose, right? You talked about matter and matters, the material and the immaterial. And um, and I think it is so hard for us to imagine that um, I think we can default just to the immaterial and not to the material. But you really you really unpack that a bit. So Yeah, I did. Well, because I, I, I feel like um, – I, I do feel like at least from um, – from an eschatological point of view, meaning like the kind of the, your thoughts or your theology about the future, how sometimes somebody might envision heaven. Maybe you read, you know, you've seen a cartoon where it's like we're floating in the air and we're like angelic beings playing the harp. Yeah. Uh, but but what you actually have even at the very end is this idea of culture making. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, culture artifacts and it's the things that we create that represent who we are and. So so what you have with the nation streaming in is they're bringing what they have created and they're they're when i say laying it at the feet of jesus not maybe not even in a tangible way but more in a posture way that everything that we have made as as a people uh it has been for your 
glory. And so I want us I want us to even think about and and again it goes back to Genesis 1, the three things that we do, relate, we create, uh we operate. And so I I do want people to realize that in, in your day-to-day work, uh, you you are being part of cultural artifacts, the making of cultural artifacts. Like if you're a teacher, you're again you're, you're part of some some matter. Like you, you're helping students understand how they can contribute to the common good, to to a, a, a flourishing environment, a flourishing world, uh, at recreation. So if you you know particularly our students and like my kids, they're involved in recreation. That mm. that's a cult, cultural artifact. Football cultural artifact are you right. doing it in a way that glorifies God right. you know basketball is you know getting ready to to start I went to a preseason Orlando magic game so as oh, a believer nice. if we play basketball is again basketball is a cultural artifact that has been created but are we are, are are we engaging in that sport in a manner that actually brings God glory right. well and, you, and and some people would say well like well how do you even do that well again it's your perspective you know it's your perspective mm-hmm. I mean do you see that your abilities to dribble the ball, do you see your abilities to be able to make a basket, like that has been given to you from God to steward in a way to point people to him, you know? So that's why, you know, when you look at Tim Tebow in, in the very past, I remember years ago it was called Tebowing, you, you know, where he would kneel down. and yeah. but, but what he was trying to do is take a cultural artifact of football yeah. and point people to the God that he believed gave him those abilities, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and that's in every realm, like, mm. and so regardless of what your vocation is, or what your job is, or mm. what sphere you occupy, you know, you 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 occupy most of your time in, you're bringing that under the lordship of God, and you're doing it for Him, for His glory and others' good. So that's where I really want people to realize about the matter, and then matters. Mm. There's like your values, mm. uh, your characteristics. Uh, again, sexuality would, would be a Another one of those values, and so you're bringing all of those values under the lordship of God, and so you are glorifying God in those values. Mm. And so, um, like, think about even Proverbs says, uh, the, the beginning of wisdom is what it, you, you know is is the glory of God, mm. and so, um, and so that's where you, you know, so. Wisdom and knowledge, do we believe that they are rooted mm. in God? And so, again, those are immaterial things. Right. But, but even with the immaterial things, we glorify God. Yeah, I think this highlights the, um, the value that we see and the value that God sees of a people from all peoples. Because as all peoples stream in, they, uh, they bring glory to God um, through their material and their immaterial way in, in different unique ways. Yeah. So God is being glorified uniquely when an unreached people group now has a believer, yeah. right? He is so a people from all peoples. And it's a, uh, it's, it's a wonderful um, imagery to think about in the future. But I think what you just laid out helps us figure out, well, why does this matter now? Well, yeah, and if you think about in which I'm not, uh, you know, I, I'm definitely not an expert. I, I, I'm definitely not an expert on the various cultures of, of nations, right? 
but I, I have just uh, you know, just enough awareness as um, as someone who has the title missiologist that that there are specialties within each culture that they actually bring to the table. Yeah. And yeah. so just just to think about what one culture or what one nation or people group do very well and then what another one does very well. Like one of the things that I didn't even get into and I was actually thinking about it as well is um, you, you know one of the statements that I made in in um, in passing and the kind of the laundry list I was reading about what we create. We don't have to worry about ever eating a bad meal again. Yeah. But but think about how all of these nations are streaming into the city, bringing their their glory and honor into it. And so man, so and I think of and I start thinking about Mexican food. I'm like, yeah, I mean. Man, some Mexicans they they can cook now, and but then I know that there's a, there's a variety of of actually you know Latinos are um, and what what they bring so empanadas and, and which again I'm learning you know all the various yeah. ethnicities and what their actual yeah. specialty is, but yeah. I start thinking about ethnic food. And, yes, you yeah. know there's an India uh, place that that we go and eat uh, lunch at a couple of you know times a month, and I'm talking about oh my lanta that is some of the so good. most I mean, and so I'm like, they're that's a cult again. That's a cultural artifact, and, yes. but they're bringing it in, and it's their it's their it's their glory, it's their honor. Yes. But they but they've cooked for the glory of God, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, so that's where I just think of the the the, the various specialties now, of each nation yeah. and tribe. Now right? I'm excited about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and you think about it, I was talking to we have some Brazilian friends that that attend Northland, yep. and we have some conversations about football. But soccer. So Americans call it soccer. Yeah. But all over the world, they call it football. football. Yeah. And uh, but but and he was telling me about how Brazilians approach the game of football. Mm. That it's more strategy. Where he talks about Americans, we just run all over the field. <laughs> I, mean, I started laughing. But but do you think about how again various yeah. you know kind of nations and and people groups think about a variety of things. Yeah. And, and how but but people would say Brazilians are just so skilled. They're they're always the best. Or you yeah. know they're one of the best in the world when it comes to you know football. So uh, yeah. anyways, I, I'm learning again. I'm a novice when it, I'm not an expert in all of the you, you know kind of ethnicities and what they're special you know what yeah. they specialize in but but that is gives you kind of a glimpse of a glimpse of what they're bringing into the holy city yeah it's fun to think about um, what each of them brings to the table um, yeah that's that's amazing so um, so you said you were talking about that third point um, how we will get there and, and before you went there you said how we will not get there mm. And you said you you don't want to go to heaven because you don't want to go to hell. You want to go to heaven because Jesus is there. Mm. So what's the difference? I mean, isn't the outcome the same? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the outcome meaning like the destination if you, you don't want to go to, you know, if if you're if the whole main point of going to heaven is not going to hell. I mean, again, my, salvation is not centered around man. Mm. That's what I'm trying to get at, yeah. you know, when I make that statement. Yeah. Salvation is never centered around man. It is always centered around the lordship um, and the, the when, I, when I say the saviorship, but, but the lordship, the kingship, and, and the saving work of Jesus Christ. That is the center, which then means mm. that the center of salvation is the beauty, mm. is the glory, mm. is the grace yeah. of Jesus. And if salvation to you is not not based upon that, I don't I don't know if it's biblical salvation. 
And so that's what I'm really trying to get at because growing up, I mean, you, you know, so I grew up Southern Baptist and, you know, I, I, I would hear preachers all the time go, you know, salvation is not a get out of hell free card. Like, I mean, it's like that's not the point of salvation just so that you can have your, I'm not going to hell card. I mean, that, okay, that's, that is, that is a byproduct of salvation that you don't go to hell. But the really the byproduct of salvation is that you literally get to bask in the glory of God for all eternity. Yeah. And that and, and then even now here on planet Earth, He has deposited His Spirit in you. Yeah. Like that that and so so I want to make sure that we focus rightly on what salvation is, not really what it focusing on what it isn't. So that's that, and that, so that's what I really was trying to get at there. Yeah, I took that as a warning that we might be missing the point if that's our focus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. Uh, yeah, and and I think that's a really good way uh, to think about it. But uh, you know, ultimately, ask your question: What is the center of your salvation? Mm. You know, is the sin, and that's where at the very end, I you know was was making the point is um, all of these things uh, that we see what gets you into heaven has nothing to do with you. Yeah, has nothing to do with you. Has everything to do with Jesus. That he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Yeah. He's the one who quenches our thirst. He's the one that makes us victorious. He's the one that has the book of life, right? So, so it's all about him. Yeah. So, if salvation is about you or what you do or what you, how the good you think you are, uh, like no, you've you've mm-hmm. missed the boat of salvation. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's helpful. I I do think that is a bit of a, a jarring thing to hear, but I, I think it can be helpful for us. And um, and it is and like definitely you s- needed in a culture where we focus on ourselves a lot. Uh, like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm reading things yeah. now, and, and it just saddens me uh, about how, how believers think that when God saves you, he doesn't want to change you. Hmm. And so, no, 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 hang on. Yeah, God, God loves, God loves you regardless of who you are or what you do. He loves sinners. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He loves the world. He loves sinners. Like, we're all broken. That's one of the things that I wanted to make sure people also realize is that list in verse 8. We were born into that list. Hmm. But God's transformed us by grace. By grace, you have been saved. And so, and that's where, as as believers, we we can no longer, you, you know, like I think it's so imperative today that we do not neglect the transforming power of the gospel, right? In our own life, in our own life, he's yeah. transforming us into new creation. Yeah. And so, therefore, the old has gone and the new has come. So, yeah. so the new is in breaking in our life, which means we ought to embrace this idea of sanctification, yeah. which is the process of learning what it means to be human after the image and likeness of Jesus. And so, we're going to be more conformed into his image. So, therefore, God loves us as sinners, but he loves us too much to leave us yeah. as sinners. Yeah. So, that's why we should never applaud Christians that have been, you know, that have known Jesus for five 
5, 10, 15, mm. 20 years going, well, God loves me just the way I am. No, no. You ought to know that he loves you too much to leave you just the way you are. Yeah, yeah he loved you in your sin. That's why yeah. he purchased you yeah. from your sin yeah. so that you can live towards Jesus. And so what we see at the very end is actually what it means to actually live for Jesus, that the throne is now sitting in our midst and all of the city's activities, mm. all of our life will revolve around the glory and the beauty and the kingship of our Savior, of our King and our Groom. And so if that's what the end is going to be, what should the present be? Our life should revolve around the Lordship of Jesus, the beauty, the Mm. splendor, the Mm. grace. So, yeah, we're not perfect right now. But he is making us perfect, which means that we're constant. We're in constant change. Yeah. We're in constant transformation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about um, contextualization, and uh, and we really got on a roll. And we said, hey, that this topic could be a whole separate podcast. Yeah, I think this idea of transformation can probably be its own um, its own topic because it is something that. Um, the generations coming up, it's so vital too. And I think there's a lot for us to, to unpack and, and talk about because um, cause we, can't, we can't get that wrong, right? Um, we, we, we can't have a church that is okay with, um, you know, God leaving us where we are. Well, yeah. Well, and it's, it's, it's really around uh, – this is one of the ideas that it's built around – it, our culture talks about you. You know, you do you. Yeah. This is my truth. Yeah. Okay, where does your truth come from? Yeah. Is what I want to ask. Yeah. Is like so. If it's your truth, and then everybody has their own truth, then therefore they can just stay whatever whatever they want to stay at because of their truth. But when it comes to a believer, no, it, it's not my truth. It's not even our truth. It's his truth. And so, therefore, we are being conformed and shaped into his truth. Mm. And so, if you think about what his truth is, his truth is his word. Well, who is his word? Jesus. He's the Logos. He's the word of God. Who are we being shaped and conformed into? Jesus. So, in some sense, it's his truth that we are conformed in. Mm. And so, here at Northland, we will always be shaped by his truth, not my truth, not some truth that we have conjured up, not some individual's truth. No, his truth. We yeah. will be shaped and formed by his truth. Yeah. And so I, I want people to realize that. And it is a danger for believers to ever say my truth. Yeah. 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 To be continued on that. Yeah. Because there's, <laughs> there's more conversation to, to happen around that. And, yeah. and, and I know in the coming uh, months and years, um, we, will, we will certainly uh, continue to tackle that. Absolutely. Um, so as we're wrapping up this series... Uh, were there any scriptures or, or ideas from Genesis to Revelation that you considered including that just didn't make it in? Well, I mean, really, I could just I could literally walk through the Bible and and every and every book and show you God's mission. Yeah. Because again, I, I do believe that God's mission runs the the scope of Scripture from Genesis yeah. to Revelation to all eternity. So, yeah. you know, I could have went to Genesis 18 where Abraham interceded uh, on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. Think about that; he's interceding on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. Hmm. Why would he do that? Well, I think he took his mission seriously. That I'm going to bring blessing to all families. Right. I think we could have went to Joseph at the end of Genesis and just see uh, there how he's actually mediating between God and Egypt. And so he's working for the good of Egypt. But what is he doing? He's actually pointing people 
to God. I mean, even at the very end of Genesis, like he's telling his brothers, like what you meant for evil, God meant for good for the saving of many people. Well, why would he do that? Well, Genesis 12, yeah. he's blessing all families of the earth. Yeah. You see in Exodus, you see that throughout Exodus, what God is wanting to do is to make himself known among the nations. Mm-hmm. And so so he's doing all these things mm-hmm. to make himself known among the nations. I could have went to Jonah, I, you know, there, and then I could have spent some time in Isaiah mm-hmm. and Jeremiah. And uh, I definitely would have done Jeremiah 29, but we had done that in our series Transitions. And then there are definitely throughout the New Testament, there are so many different mission texts that I could have went to, but I went to the the ones that I feel like highlight God's mission kind of throughout from a high level to Mm. get this idea that God is on mission to redeem a people from all peoples to reflect his glory in all spheres of life. So there's a lot. Yeah. I could have taken probably at least a year, if not two, and just tackled some more of uh, the passages that we see throughout Scripture. And you probably would have connected it back to Genesis 1 and 2 every time. Well, it, well, exactly. <laughs> it, 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 you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know people make fun of you, make fun of me, but yeah, go back to Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. If you really want to understand the world, you really yeah. want to understand what it means to be human and why God created us, uh, Genesis 1, 2, and 3 are... are Paramount. Um, so. so for our final question, we are moving on to a new series on generosity. Yeah, so two series down. So two series down from uh, when I started. How about so that? We, yeah, so six months in. Six, yeah, six months in. I guess going on seven okay. or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, two series. And then we start a new series, The Backstory of Generosity. And really the idea of, of this series and the reason why I'm calling it the backstory is sometimes you, you, you can kind of um, miss what's really going on like fully because you don't know the backstory. Mm. So like, I, you know, there's so many different examples like from movies and series, uh, TV series. But, but one that I've been watching recently is Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah. And so what Obi-Wan is doing is giving you really the backstory of, of what happened mm. with Luke and Leia as as young as young you know boy and girl yeah, yeah. and so kind of giving you that backstory to kind of fill in the gaps where we don't know so that yeah. you kind of understand what you see uh, when the episode uh, what was it um, you they, they were the original Star Wars but so, you know a new four, hope five, before yeah four yeah. five six yeah so so it gives you the backstory and so for the for the backstory of generosity is built on a couple of different thoughts you know one is the question is generosity something you do or is it part of who you are hmm. so is it acts or is it nature because you can do generous acts but not be a generous person and so so i'm i'm beginning with that question you know is is generosity something you do or is it part of who you are and then you know equating that to god because if we believe what the Bible teaches, which is generosity is actually part of your nature, it should be part of your nature, because God is a generous God. So so if generosity is actually part of the nature of God, where do you see the generosity of God demonstrated in, can you guess, Genesis 1 and 2? And so the backstory of generosity is actually going to go all the way back to the very beginning to see mm. if we can see generosity rooted in creation. Mm. Because if it's rooted in creation and in, in, in who God is through his 
creation, then what it should be uh, what it should be in our own life is rooted in our very nature. Mm. And so I'm going to build out the concept of what generosity is and not give a definition until the very end of the series. Okay. Yeah. Normally you define terms. Normally at the I will define terms at the very beginning, yeah. but I want to build the concepts okay. of generosity and then give a working definition that will actually be a definition that we can use in our own life to see if we are becoming a generous person. So it sounds like this series will help inform what we just learned about with Made for Mission and uh, what you were describing with the, with the Obi-Wan. The, the backstory helps us understand the main story even better. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then the other question I have is it's a story – uh, it's a series on generosity. Are we not just going to talk about money? No. I mean, you, you know, money is just a facet of generosity. Hmm. And so what we'll look at is we'll look at the the, the principle of generosity. Mm-hmm. Then we'll look at the, the aim or the purpose of generosity. Then we'll look at the pattern of generosity or the activities of generosity and then we'll actually look at the sacrifice or the suffering or what I'm labeling the passion because the word passion in Greek means to suffer. Mm. And so we'll look at the, the passion of generosity. And so I'm going to build out those concepts over four weeks to help us get this backstory of actually what generosity is so that we can define it, so that we can make sure that that we are, especially if, we, again, this goes back to if we are a child of the king, if we are a follower of Jesus by our very nature. Now, the reason why by our very nature is because now he's put his nature in us. Right. At, at the moment of salvation, he's he's imputed his righteousness. He's imputed his spirit within yeah. us. So therefore, by our very nature now, yeah. we are his and we're, we're supposed to be embodying his nature. So if mm-hmm. he's generous by his very nature and we have his very nature now inside of us because of salvation, mm-hmm. then what we're doing in the series is showing what it means to be a generous person by our very nature. Yeah, and it sounds like where we're ending that series will help lead us right into Advent. Yeah, and then for Advent, we're doing Simple Christmas, making room for the most important gift this season. So, right. so Simple Christmas. So so those are the two series coming up. I'm really excited about them, and it's hard to believe that. We're already talking about Christmas, but we are good to be here. I think 70 days, something, something... I think like that, at least what somebody told me. We have to get through Halloween and Thanksgiving before we get there. Well, but It's so yeah. funny how I think Halloween now has become the new Christmas. Everybody's putting their inflatables up, their lights up, uh, hanging like a little kid. Like I saw a skeleton, huge skeleton in the yard, hanging a kid up by, by his foot. I'm like, this is, I mean, Halloween is the new Christmas. You might yeah. as well just keep your Halloween decorations up. And just you know, spray paint them red and white. I don't. I don't know. So it's it's crazy. Yeah, there's there's some uh, lawn furniture that's that's out um, in people's neighborhoods, and I have as we're going on walks with my girls. I'm like, look away. Yes. <laughs> it's a little intense. So. Yeah, yeah. People love their Halloween these days. They do. So this has been a uh, a wonderful series. Uh, it, it seems like this is um, such a foundational series. We will continue um, coming back to it. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, and yeah, just to even re- reiterate what you said, it is a foundational series. And um, 
I, I feel like I was very direct, uh, you know, in this series on, on quite a few things. Mm. Um, and, and it was a unique series in the sense I'm, I'm laying a theological, here's another big word, missiological, so, so a theology of, of mission for Northland, like so, so I, I did. I, I came right out of the gate. Uh, so you'll you'll kind of see uh, what what a uh, oh, well, you got to kind of see through the series transitions what a normal kind of series would be. But definitely with the backstory of generosity and simple Christmas, you'll kind of see what a what an ordinary series is like with me preaching it. Uh, but but made for mission. I mean, th- if you really want to know, and I, again, I'm I'm reiterating this because I think this is important. If you really wanted to know who your new pastor is, what he's all about, what drives him, what gets him up, what he basically eats, drinks, and sleeps, this is it. Mission. And so um, you will definitely be hearing more about this in, in the coming days, months, and years because I'm going to constantly drive us back to this idea that we have been made for mission. Amen. Yeah. Bring it on. So, amen. <laughs> well, Northland, it is such a joy to be able to bring you Extra Takes podcast to go a little bit deeper, to give you a little bit more of the context and thoughts surrounding my head. You know, definitely grateful for Matt and your leadership co-hosting this. Northland, you are loved. You are appreciated. Be the salt and light reflecting God's glory in every sphere of life. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.